Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Episode 52 is a year-end wrap-up episode for GNM. Over the past year, the podcast has been released weekly, and I have been fortunate enough to speak with people all over the metal spectrum, from band members, photographers, and festival organizers, to logo artists and podcast hosts. This has been a great year, and to wrap things up, Pierre Remillard and Martin Gagné of Canadian thrash metal OGs Oblivion join me today. Oblivion was formed in 1983 and have released four albums and an EP to date. They are currently working on re-releasing their old works and have some new music on the horizon. Gentlemen, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I just realized that I may have messed up the date. Is 1983 correct? Or was it a little no. bit later than that? Seven, uh, maybe? I don't know. Uh, maybe. We may. We could Google it if you want. <laughs> I prefer against it. I try to. I try not to trust Google as much as possible. Yeah. It seems but like I remember we're going the first demo. I wasn't in the band, but I think it was '87 when you re-released two demo in the same year, my friend. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, '87. Like '87 and '68. Uh, well, yeah, no, yeah, the first 19, I was nineteen. Yeah, it, no, '83. I was uh, going to see shows, so I don't think I, I was in the band yet. So. Young. So Martin, you were one of the original members, and then Pierre, yes. you jumped on shortly after. Yes. Uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about the formation of the band? Uh, it started out with uh, three high school friends, me, Francis, and uh, Stéphane Picard. Uh, we were high school buddies, and uh, we listened to the same kind of music. And then, uh, buddy, uh, you know, we were, you know, musicians, like part-time musicians, and we were all doing covers of Slayer. And, Bands like that, and um, at one point uh, we started a band, uh, me, Francis, and uh, Stefan, and uh, we did two demos, uh, which got some success uh, in Quebec, you know. And then uh, Francis uh, left our drummer, uh, or just for personal reasons, no, nothing, you know. And then I was working in a studio, a rehearsal studio. And uh, Pierre was practicing there with uh, Alain and two other guys. Uh, they were doing covers, uh, metal covers, and they were pretty awesome. So I just asked uh, Pierre and uh, Alain if they wanted to restart Oblivion with me and Stefan. So that's when they came along, and then we did the, the demo fiction and so on and so on. Then we added uh, Bruno, our singer, at the, our third album, because uh, we wanted some sort of a, you know, presence, a frontman. So now we are uh, five, and uh, that's the that's the story for the band members. Yeah. And so, how did you guys choose your musical direction back then? Oh, it influence. Uh, we listened to uh, Francis was mostly uh, more heavy, uh, but I, at that time I was listening to uh, when I started playing guitar. I was into like Metallica, Slayer, Destruction, Creator. They started coming out, you know, all, all the first albums. Uh, possessed, uh, but also uh, punk influences, uh, they go abortion, agnostic front, you know, Canadian band sacrifice, Voivod, uh, all that uh, was an influence to us, but also, you know, Judas Priest, you know, Iron Maiden, Rush, uh, because, you know, it was just a period before metal went big, but uh, that was mostly our friends, no Motley Crue, no Wasp or stuff like that, it's mostly uh, <laughs> the heavy no, I think we lost Pierre. Yeah. I think what he wanted to say is because there was like a vibe from, you know, Metallica, Slayer, and then there was a trashy, the creator, Destruction, Sepultura, 
uh, you know, Atis, uh, Sadus, uh, some underground technical death metal bands, Death, you know, mm-hmm. that was an influence. But they, you know, we, we started out almost at the same time. So, and Pierre and Alain had the same influences uh, as us, as me and Stefan, we listened to uh, Judas Priest, Van Alien, and then Slayer, Metallica, and Trash, uh, trash Metal, and Death Metal bands. So, our influences uh, connected uh, a lot and so did bruno bruno also the, the singer that came along after he was in another band uh, called uh, sarcasm they're re-releasing some stuff now uh, some old stuff and uh, and some new stuff also i think they have a new album coming out he's still with his uh, friends also he's playing with his friends because they really united to, to do this project and uh, he has the same kind of influences uh, as us so everything connected so he's so and you know we we were we, we were friends before we were you know band members so so everything was cool. Yeah. Back here. Yeah. And so what was the... Welcome back, Pierre. Oh, no, don't be sorry at all. No problem. Um, what was the scene like back then? Were there some odd reactions to metal? Like, I know everything was kind of just blossoming in Canada. Um, was there any pushback? Was it widely accepted? Was it popular? Oh, I think it was, uh, it was growing, you know, with bands like uh, Voivod. And uh, we had a popular radio metal show here in Montreal on, on the local uh, rock station called The Metal Files. It was every Friday and the kids would listen to that. It was all on the ground music, uh, local and international. We never had that. So that made it group. We had a local uh, music store that imported a lot of metal in Montreal. And uh, when Voivod came out, uh, a lot of kids started bands. They were a big influence on a lot of bands. and. Uh, yeah, it, it was growing. Uh, there wasn't really no uh, resistance from from because there was there was the glam, you know, the poser type music. But that's okay, you know, nothing nothing uh, nothing happened with that. But it was a pretty good scene. It grew a lot, grew a lot for you know, let's say uh, ten years. It went on a peak and then it came back down a little bit, and now it's kind of growing back up. So. The grunge made it going back a little bit, get it going down a little bit. But Montreal, I've always been a, a really interested scene in Montreal. Always have some bands, even if metal is not big. You always feel some things going on, and we have a classic uh, place to play, like Fofon Electric, which is a, like a CBGB type of club mm-hmm. that just accept all underground bands. And uh, like Martin said about Chom FM, which is a mainstream radio, they were talking about Slayer and stuff like that. So. But Montreal, even now, it's a really good metal scene, I think. You know, there's always fans, uh, there's always place, classic place to play for metal. And uh, big bands, when they come, they always have a good reaction. And a lot of people, uh, I think it's a really good metal scene. I've had a few different guests from uh, bands out of Quebec. And, like, Quebec metal is, is pretty unique and quite intense. I feel like Montreal especially has got like a really vibrant scene for live music. So what do you think the reason behind that is? Why is it Montreal specifically or Quebec that has these these massive uh, metal exports? Hmm. Well, maybe it's the, the local support or, uh, you know, the, the local support. We had like rehearsal spaces where we, every band was like Cité 2000. Before that, it was the, mm-hmm. another place and there was all the metal guys would be there. And then we would, and after that, we were all at Cité 2000. It's like, you know, 200 rehearsal spaces. And there, there was a lot of metal bands. And there was a lot of, you know, kids promoting shows or doing shows, fans. It was uh, it was open. 
you know, you could go to a, a Spectrum or a big, big place to organize shows, a big, uh, let me say, salle, auditorium or something like that, and say you would do a metal show. There was no like pushback on the metal. You know, it, you know, the, 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 it was open-minded. Maybe now a little less, love, but but back in the days they didn't know what a trash metal band was. So all right, <laughs> so maybe after a couple of years they don't want it anymore. But the, you know, it's everything grew. Uh, it, you know, maybe Voivod was an influence, and the, the local radio stations and the local uh, um, uh, CD uh, album stores uh, helped a lot. And not just in Montreal, but a lot of places around Quebec, you would go to, you know, small cities, and there was the same kind of metal vibe there, you know. So everybody was. Why? Yeah, Quebec is big at some point. And we went uh, sometimes, it's six hours from Montreal, and we can get a thousand people going to shows. Uh, now it's more Rouen-Oranda, which is still six hours from Montreal. But in region, Quebec is big at some point, and there's really region that we went far away and had a lot of people, even sometimes as, as much as in Montreal. So I think all this together brings like energy. Like Martin said, we had those boyhood guys that, you know, tells us that we can do big record and doing something really, not strange, but unique type of music. Metal is like really open-minded. Quebec is a city that is really progressive music. They, they, they're still going to go see the, the yes singer that are doing stuff and, and, draw a lot of people like all progressive band in Quebec is draw a lot of people so I think it's uh but we have trend in some far away spaces in Quebec that you go to Rimouski you can get a thousand people uh, Tuesday night in the school and that's it's it's, really, it's trendy at some point but where it comes from maybe winter cold winter the fact that we're uh, I don't know but uh, there's a good metal scene in uh I'm sure they have pretty cold winters in Calgary too oh yeah they're <laughs> There, there's lots of wind and they're dry. I hate it. it. Seems to go from like boiling hot to completely fucking cold. It's brutal. <laughs> okay, it's... here we also have that. You know? Yeah, yeah, we live the extreme. Sometimes it all melts in the wind. In Quebec, uh, live music is just generally accepted. It's something that um, that's quite popular in general, though, right? And has that been like that for a long time? Oh yeah. I just went to see at the gates like uh, two weeks ago and it was full pack. Uh, remember having a lot of band in the Midley, which is almost 2,000 people, the Demo Burger, stuff like that. They come to Montreal, you see big lineup, it's sold out. Uh, I always felt there's a lot of tour come to Montreal. Bigger band and a smaller band, they all on their tour. Montreal is a, is a place to go in Canada. Sometimes you see band going Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal. For the whole Canada, but Montreal is always drawing big act or even like smaller act, like you know, like more uh, underground act. But there's still interest. A lot of people talk about it. It's I never felt it went down. You know, we had a nice show at the beginning in Montreal with a good crowd, and uh, so I don't know. Uh, I always felt it's uh, a while ago. I went on tour with Cryptopsy as a soundman and Zibu Borgir, and we did all the U.S. stuff. And we, we passed by Montreal and I, I realized on that tour that you go to Texas and you have like 400 people. You go to Chicago, you got 2,000 people, but there is a lot of places that is three, 4,000, three, 400. And when you come to Montreal, there's a lineup at 4 a.m., 4 in the afternoon. People are there for the show. It's 2,000 people. The guy from the Boomer told me, man, it's 
every time we come here, it's it's sold out and people know the song. And it's so I really realized at that point that in America, Montreal is a nice place to play. And with good reaction, fans buy shirts. Uh, I'll see the difference on that tour that made me realize that Montreal is a, is a, there's a lot of interest. People are really interested in music, metal music. There's also a couple of festivals here now, like the MTL. Yeah. We had Montevallo Fest, which is really metal up to the extremes uh, at, at certain points. So that also helps, you know, having big festivals that draws in the big, big bands like OzFest and stuff like that. And yeah. with all the local bands, they, they support also the local bands. So you have like, like a stage with the local bands also. So it's cool. So it just promotes, it helps to promote the local uh, scene. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking on promotion, and Pierre, you touched on underground bands a little bit. Um, when you guys were just starting out, what were some of the biggest things you guys had to do in order to get noticed or to get gigs? Hey, boy. <laughs> we, just, we just put out some music and did some shows. And it, it just, we didn't do nothing special or visually, or we just tried to be uh, right on the button, like, you know, practice a lot. And I think that's what got us noticed in the start is uh, the, the the music the aspect of the music on the tape and on this or in the CDs was the same as you would go see it live we were very uh, we worked a lot on that practice a lot and mm -hmm. a lot of bands in Quebec are like that also so I think that's what you know people came out of the shows man you hear the song man they were you know on the button so I think that's what got us noticed and after that, when we had a little more budget, maybe we had, we had more lights and stuff like that, and big backdrops for a local band, you know. So, so I think that at this time it was, was it. Yeah. And we know yeah. every time we play, we go share book. We meet a local band that we want to reorganize some other shows, and then we go to the other band. It's always a question of knowing people. And since there's a lot of metal band in all the the, the smaller city, I just remember having our oh, band from uh, that place. They want to organize the show with us and play with us, and we share the stage with them, know them, and now every city we went, we always played with yeah. you know local bands all the time. They they most most of the time they were organizing the shows. You know, I think we did them just maybe two or three times. We did like like real like tours of Quebec. Most of the time, it was a show here and there with local bands, local promoters promoting their, you know, two three show in that region with one band that stay yeah. around there that know the clubs and know how to promote some show in their area. Not some city they know that Saturday night is good for them. So when you use those kind of contact, and for them it's it's cool. We we met them, and when you put out a record, you it's not because you're better than the other band, but other bands see a final product and they want to feel it. They want to talk to you about some stuff like that so and i think we are an easy band to talk to you know younger band that we play together and we we share a lot of a uh, lot of stuff so we we gain a lot of a good contact and i think that's the way we build some tour and shows here and there always we have to say also that uh, pierre in the beginning uh also had like a sound company was a sound engineer so he was talking to a lot of bands so he had connections so Maybe I think that helped also. Yeah, sometimes I go make sound for my, for another band for another festival. And I meet the guy who organized the, the, the festival. Said, "Oh, you play Oblivion, and then next year I want to." So and it's it's a business like that. Or you know, people. I still work in studio right now, and I see some people that come to me, and I met them like twenty five years twenty five years ago. And for details, they come back to me. So music, it's sometimes 
a handshake could be something bigger in 12 years. So all this together, the company, the band, uh, Martin, uh, when I met them, we had a guy called uh, Stéphane, who's actually the guy who's taking care of Varga. Varga master was a big underground uh, guy who write letters to band in Mexico and everywhere. So really active in the underground scene. That's And even if we don't play master, just talk about oblivion and stuff like that. So all this together uh, brings something special. Master was some sort of a Jeff yeah. Yeah. years ago, yeah. you know, a guy like you, a fan, you know, interviewing people, magazines, stuff like that. He would, he would help us get contacts with all the, the fanzines because back then it was all mail, you know, so you would, you know, print, uh, take demos, send them over uh, a lot of, he was handle everything, uh, everything on that side. And he got us a lot of contacts with, you know, internationally with, you know. And he's so passionate, and, Master. Stefan is a passionate guy. He's a, even today. Yeah. He had a record store not too long ago uh, with his buddies, all metal stuff, and he's still doing a, a bit of a metal distribution with his uh, buddies. It seems like back in those days, it has it had to be a lot more involved. Like the networking had to be more personal. Yeah. Um, like we touched on just before we uh, started recording, like the onset of Spotify and streaming services, you can literally just share your link with people. But back then you had to get like down on the ground kind of thing. You had to um, meet people in person. You had to write letters. You had to actually... Um, maybe, I don't want to say it this way necessarily, but maybe prove yourself before they actually hire you for a gig? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. You need to be serious too. You know, like Stefan, when I when I came into Oblivion, I remember the first day I went to the Stefan office and he showed me like a bunch of letters, interview that's coming from Peru everywhere in the world. But Stefan just made tape sharing. I just learned all this and... Every week he would call me, I got an interview to do, you want to do it? And he was really tight on everything. So, you know, when you write a letter from Mexico and the guys write you back with a, a cassette to review the demo, then all this sharing master puts seeds everywhere and that grows from, and metal fans are fans at 18 and at 60. So, you know them for a long time. Yeah, I remember writing letters. <laughs> <laughs> remember that writing on the piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah. we're old i went to go um send a letter a few years back i'd say five or six years now and it had been so long since i wrote a letter i'm like oh where does the address go i had to actually remember where on the envelope to write things and which side to put the stamp on. <laughs> that's embarrassing <laughs> i remember you know you know uh, i had a couple of pen pals atheists uh, the band atheist uh, back then was yep. a real progressive death metal band uh, I wrote a couple of it with Steve, the, the basement, and uh, we were like pen pals, and we wrote letters, funny stuff, you know, just like you would chat to someone, but on a piece of paper. <laughs> Three uh, weeks from each answer. <laughs> anyway, so, so it was uh, good old days. Yeah. And now it's much more easy, so we don't write each other anymore. So it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? There's nothing to wait for anymore. <laughs> no. so, so. Yeah, you know, you would write something, and then you would... You know, write you back or three weeks later, oh, it was funny, man, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but now it's too in, instant, too too easy. So, yeah, you're right about that. It wasn't the sure. waiting. Did you guys keep any of your old letters or your old tapes and stuff like that? No. Hey, well, what, tapes, we had a hard time to find them back. Letters, maybe hmm. Stefan still got some because of, uh, you know, like Steve DiGiorgio is one of his big friends. So I don't know if he kept, like, first letter he write to Steve when he was back then and said say this. Uh, maybe Stefan, but me, I barely kept some posters of the old show 
stuff like that, but no letters. I have a couple of refusal letters from record companies I get, just as a reminder. <laughs> a couple of like that. <laughs> that says to us, you're good, but... <laughs> you're good, but... Uh, so <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> next one. <laughs> we'll see what they say now. Accepted. <laughs> um, so I normally touch on this in the intro, and I apologize that I didn't, but you guys both play guitar for the band. So I'm wondering, um, when did you guys start getting into playing, and how did you learn? Uh, I first started with one of my friends who, who bought um, a guitar, and uh, I was playing golf with him really young, and he always said, oh, you should." I saw him play guitars, and then I thought, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy a bass so I can play with him." So just to tell you where I started from, I bought a guitar and think it was a bass because of the shape. Okay. So I went to a <laughs> store with that supposedly bass. I asked the, the guy, did I make a good uh, buy? Maybe I paid 50 bucks for a whole area guitar. And then I said, did I pay too much for that bass? And I saw, still saw the guy from the stores who opened the case and goes like, okay, <laughs> this is not a bass. This is a guitar. And I'm like, totally disappointed because I want to be Gene Simon, you know? Yeah. So uh, I was really okay and uh, I started playing guitars and that was it, you know, and just with my friend, I started learning by here, you know, just try to find some some song by here and I, with some books, but by myself a lot. And uh, that was my uh, my beginning. <laughs> Me, I started, uh, I went to, in somebody's basement when I was maybe 13. And I, back then, I listened to Rush, Black Sabbath, Van Halen, you know, on cassette on my Walkman. And this guy pulls out a guitar and starts playing the Eruption solo from Van Halen. I'm like, what the hell? And then that got me hooked. And then uh, my first guitar was somebody from my high school. I went to see him and he had like a classical guitar. And I was, he showed me a couple of like, you know, Deep Purple, you know, the same old song. And he gave me his old guitar, which was a... Um, Consumers distributor guitars. Remember that? No, no. Distribution consommateur. You know, it was an old guitar you could buy in a magazine. Fifty bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fifty bucks, and it only had like two strings. It was a six-string guitar, but only had two strings, and the two strings were uh, classical guitar strings. So when I played, I almost, I almost bled my fingers. And then my mother uh, bought me a, a classical guitar, and then when I played that, it was like butter. You know, they play very well. And then my mother bought me an electrical guitar at some other point. I went to Steve and music store and bought an electrical guitar. And uh, came. I went to high school and a couple of friends who played guitar showed me how to play guitar. And uh, between high school and uh, college, Cégep at the, in Quebec, uh, I dropped out and uh, took a year off. And that's where I really learned to play guitar because that's all I did. So, yeah, so, so that's how I learned guitar. And now, you know, practice. We learned a lot of, lot of cover too, Martin. You know, when I was younger, it was all cover stuff. And you develop your hair trying to find out what they play. Or in the video, you see his hand and you, you try to... I remember one of my friends told me the first time he tuned a guitar. He was looking at a picture of a guitarist that he liked and he wanted to put the key <laughs> in the same direction they were to tune the guitar. And he played like that for a oh, while. <laughs> So sometimes we do not know, but cover was my big Yeah, me too. Uh, me too. To trying to find out what, what the other guy is doing and trying to... I also play by ear, no? so uh, I don't know my grades or scales or all that. It's all by ear. 
So there's hope for everybody out there who don't know classical music, who just want to play guitar, just pick up a guitar and don't give up. That's it. We don't read music. We just do riffs and do some stuff that we like. To me, music is always like a, anything that goes. You know, I don't see like patterns or stuff like that. After that, I, I learned a little bit like technical stuff, but that doesn't draw me that much to learn scales or stuff that need to be like this. I think you can use your ear and feel what sounds good and not. And there's so much big musician that just play like this and you, you learn some basic stuff, but at some point it's nice to have like anything you feel is could be good. And is that the way you always approach your music? Yes. Yeah, yes. Still just, just start, put, a, put on a beat and jam along. And at some point you just find something that sounds good and you develop and you go from that idea. And then, you know, okay, then, then you start being technical. Like Pierre says, maybe we need like a four times of this, two times that, four times that. Yeah. And harmonies are arrangement, but we start yeah. with just, a good vibe, just jam along. Jam. Like most bands do, I'm sure. It's interesting that you guys mentioned that because I've heard some guests uh, talk about Guitar Pro and I've heard other guests talk about just kind of going with the flow. It seems like for the people that just kind of are a little bit more spontaneous, they feel like Guitar Pro kind of removes that human element where it sounds like it's actually being played by somebody because it's so methodical and so thought out, if that makes sense. By Guitar Pro, what do you mean? It's uh, so uh, some bands that it's like a learning tour. All the magazine. Uh, Guitar Pro is a is a software app where you basically can tab out your guitars and the sounds on the program before you actually oh, okay, play it. Okay. So you're essentially learning by looking at a tab. And what I've heard from the people that are a little bit more spontaneous is that just takes out the human aspect. Okay. You won't hear any um, mistakes, or you won't. Hear, it's, it's less organic. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe. No. I still believe in real dates and real stuff and you know you need to for me it's a picture you know perfect everybody can play perfect but music has never been perfect i'm sure you take a recording of a band even like rush and you listen in solo it's not perfect it's just all together that's make it special for me that's the music missing today a little bit because perfection a guy, a guy who play one year can do stuff perfectly with his computer after a while but there's no feeling in it at some point you need to be able to play the music too you can use software to to find some ideas but at some point you need to to play them as in a movie you're an actor you need to to play this to play the song in a special way so all this there's a lot of band that going they're gonna go through record records like this but it's, i think it's missing something for my, i did uh, learn you know we all picked up a magazine and learned from guitar tabs of course but we never we never oh, compose yeah. with writing down our music or using a computer you know put notes here and there it's like you say it's not organic at all it sounds very mechanical we you know we we tried it you know everybody's curious you try to mm -hmm. make music with that like fruity loops and all these kind of softwares but at some point you know it's all in the garbage can now because it all sounds like you know it's, it's too uh robotic mm -hmm. robotic robotic so, so everything is about yeah and you feel something from a good date, you know. You need some feelings. Special. Feelings. I think. <laughs> and it kind of mirrors like the live atmosphere where there could be a little bit of a mistake or it sounds like you're playing live because you're kind of working through it as you go. It's not something that's planned out in front of you. Well, you know, when you record an album, of course, it's a bit planned out. You can't, you know, the, the way the way you, we record now, uh, that you know, the drummer, the, the, the drummer lay down, lay, lays down his tracks and then it's the basement and then we do the guitars. So it's not like a live session. If you want to hear the band live, it's, it's live. Mm -hmm. 
but we do record live, you know, over our music like every band does. But so not like in the days when the Beatles would, you know, record like a, a, an album, everybody's there and they, they do it all at one at one take. It's nowadays it's not like that anymore. I'm pretty sure. Even for metal, you know, some bands still do live, but metal, I think it needs to be built like a house, you know, you need to get that concrete and then you build on top of it, but to make it like in a, don't have spaces to go too much uh, blurry for metal. You need to be, in a way, a good take, but at the same time precise, but all that, uh, the imperfection makes something bigger at some point. Strings are strings. The piano is never perfect. Doubling guitar makes something spe special because it's not perfect. Sometimes it's blend of tone and... But at the creation process, of course, it's more organic. Now we're, I'm not sitting down and writing down a riff and then, okay, thinking about what's next. It's just you play along, you, you put down a beat, you know, and then you just, just jam along. And then you find whatever you feel and, okay, we will go like this this time. It's, it's, it's more the hands and, you know, more organic, like you say. But then when you get to the studio, then you have to make it sound better. You know, it's like everything has to be more... Uh, Uh, more uh, well, it's just organized. organized at some point, yeah. You guys have released uh, four albums and an EP at this time. We'll mention some new music in a moment, but uh, looking back at what you guys have done, what is your per which is your personal favorite release and why? Uh, sorry, which is your perfect release? Uh, per, per, what did you say? Personal oh, favorite. Personal so, favorite. Uh, personal favorite. So, which one do you guys like the most, um, individually or together? Uh, doesn't matter. Um, between all five of your releases or even demos for me it's always the last one you know <laughs> i think we always progress in some way uh some favorite songs i, I like a lot early in on the cyber void album i like the the, the ambience of it uh, i like uh, access to the acropolis on the first album and on the nemesis uh well i like nemesis you know and uh, on the carnivore Modern out most all the songs i, I like and uh I don't know for you, Pierre, but you know all the last stuff we did, even the, the what we're recording, that's my favorite. It's always, you know, it's, it's, it's like yeah, for us. It's, but you know, we had some uh, Nemesis was special because it's the first record mm -hmm. that we produce ourselves, and we go like, okay, let's go in studio and make a record by ourselves. All for me was the first time I go in studio and said, okay, I'm gonna make a record. Also, the time I was doing demos with some bands, but we all mixed together and was special for me. I remember this, but. Like Martin said, I got special moment on each album. Uh, I like Cyber Void because for me, the new vocals was more fitting with us. And it was a kind of a new dimension. It was re-inspiring a little bit. But on every album, I got special moment. Love That Resurrect on the last album for me is a good sounding song. It's kind of a pop song at some point. When I would say popular, not pop like uh, But I think it's uh, the, the construction of some songs are better than some others. But uh, I would say Nemesis for me was really special because uh, the way we did it, not because of the sound. And we go back then, we don't edit drum. We just say, like, okay, we're going to punch the second part and just play again. And there's some mistake on it that we can't go and fix stuff. It was a different epoch. But uh, I'm a little bit like Martin. Special song on each album, Access to the Acropolis for me, was the first song that uh, Martin okay, showed well, me, I think. It was a hard song to play, but I really like the emotion of that song. And always... Uh, yeah. Thinkers there and uh, Nemesis, good song, uh, but nothing's perfect. Some stuff I really like it. Yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, Nemesis. Nemesis. I just want to add to this: like Nemesis was when you know 
it took off. You know, that's where it took off. So that's a good moment for for us in our souvenirs. And we felt the fans really went fast on buying the records. And the, the, since we, we toured a lot in Quebec, this album was a little weighted here. Mm. And uh, we had a good reaction at first. And, you know, we did all the covers by ourselves. We make it the biggest we can, you know. And, uh, you know, it was a good, uh, good vibe. The hard work paid off. Yeah. So in the book, uh, Mean Deviation, Four Decades of Progressive Heavy Metal, Nemesis was lauded as a tech metal cornerstone. So after you guys released that album, was that an attitude that came right away? Or is that something that's built, been built up over time, like uh, like a cult classic almost? We're not, you know, we didn't, this, we didn't try to be technical death metal. Like, like we said earlier, it's more of a feeling. Everything was as we go along, not trying to be like them or like others, but you know, it's the the heat of the moment, and the, you know, you, you all are a mixed bag of influences. That's this is what came out. The next album after, is the the other mix of influences from what we thought was good. And the next album, what we wanted to do or how we were playing, we down-tune our guitar a little bit and oh, that sounds pretty heavy. And then we just went with that, you know? So uh, being technical, yeah, the first album is it's really technical, but I think it's it's uh, it's just... When we never tried to be technical, I don't remember Martin said, okay, let's play this because no. it's complicated to play. But I remember that there's no pattern. We don't try to say, okay, we're going to build a song like this at this part and come back to this part. We just go on and sometimes I just come to Martin with some riff and he put it in a song that he started in the middle and said, God, your riff's gonna be there like this. And But I don't remember that we had a, a way or try to do something, we try to copy something. Boy, what told us that we can do anything. So at this point, we go And sometimes, you know, when when a band starts, you know, it's the innocence of the band. Mm. Yeah. They, they don't know what they're doing. So, and then you capture that moment and then it comes out and then you're like, wow. And then after that, trying to reproduce exactly that, that won't work. So that's- It becomes something. So just... It becomes something. So every, every album has its thing and the mm -hmm. next one will have its thing, but it's, it won't be a Nemesis. It won't be a, a From This Day Forward. It won't be a Cyber Void. It'll be a mix of all that, all that, like every album is, you know, because the, the first one is always the, 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 the the, 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 ba the basics of everything, the second one also, and then as the third one and the fourth one, then it becomes a mix of the other ones because you can't like really do the same song. So it's like a mix and, and you evolve and with time you get older and you say, oh, that's too hard to play. So you can't, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I just, just meaning like in the sense of the, the you know, the, 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 the start of a band, it's always like that, like the first album, Slayer album, the first Metallica album, you'll never get that feeling again, you know. Uh, yeah, the innocence I think is a good word. You just go along, and if you go back in '90, you don't have uh, all the band you listen to everywhere, like ten bands, ten new bands in a day, and you get influenced. That's a lot of stuff. We don't. We just see each other in the, the rehearsal place, and we hear destruction and importation, and sometimes it's hard to listen to music from everywhere. And uh, you just go along, and it was really, like you said, it was naive at some point. You just go and that's cool riff, and that's it. I think also when you have a band that's not uh, not yet dealing with like a label or release um, release pressures, they have the ability to experiment a little bit more and do what they want. Whereas if they have a deadline, they have to put something out regardless. So I think there's a bit more authenticity there. Oh yeah, I think if you try to reach something in music, I think that's 
not the worst thing. If you do really popular music and you want to have a big choruses and you want to work for this, it's okay. But sometimes metal band, they get bigger and they try to reach a bigger public type of song and you feel that the, the, the kind of a, not obligation, but you try to, to, to put in some things like more uh, big, big crowd. So I don't know, you, you need to keep your, uh, your style and what's make you special at some point. Yeah, so we have some, some critics, some fans, like our, our la the, the last album. Uh, so it's, it's too rhythmic, it's too this, it's too that. You know, some fans prefer like Nemesis or From This Day, the most technical trash death metal you know, kind of influence. But it's not like we said that we don't want to do that anymore. It's just a natural progression. And well, you know, that's, but the new record, I think it's we're going back to more technical stuff. Yeah, too, and a little bit. It's a mixture of a. I think we we write better structure song. The way the structure is done, even if it's it's complex at some point, it doesn't. I go the intro, verse, chorus, and we're not into that. But I think the the melodic way of um, inserting riffs and transition to a song. Sometimes it's really special, going in a another way really fast. But I think we write better song. We're older and we understand more music and. But it's still technical. We still have some stuff that it's more picking. And like I said, Alain is a drummer that really likes stuff, technical stuff. So that brings out some other stuff in our music. But um, yeah, we're still into that. Uh, well, maybe one of the reasons uh, that maybe fans will recognize like early our earlier albums and the new album is maybe the fact that we used to have our for the second and the third and fourth album we down tune our guitar like I don't know what is how do you call it Pierre when you kind of drop D drop D. But now we, we came back to uh, the Nemesis and from this day tuning, we dropped just a, one, uh, one, uh, one note below, just to be a bit heavier sounder, but it influences the, uh, the composing of the music, you know, the, the way the guitar is tuned, and maybe it's a bit more melodic and helps us being a bit more technical, maybe at some point, but I think that influenced a bit of the, the composing, uh, the, 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 the way the song is now, are going, you know, it, it, because the Carnivore Money Mountain and Cybervoid were a bit more uh, uh, harsh sounding for the guitars and more uh, maybe uh, or chug, chug, chugging, you know, mm -hmm. chugging. It was like the, the, the way the guitars were tuned made it more uh, fun for us to chug along, you know. But now, <laughs> but uh, the Carnivore is seven string. Boy, it's Carnivore, we, we went on seven string with yeah. the tuning of a Cybervoid, but one string more. Now we're a whole step down with seven string, but regular tuning. All the album is tuning different, so we need ten guitars to to make a show. Yes, yeah, so, so yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All the album is a little different, but it, like Martin said, it's a way to inspire us. As a plan, we're doing this a while ago. Different tuning for different songs, and they just start some something new. So it's just re-inspiring you for um, whatever. But then the new one is a regular tuning with seven string. And because it's regular tuning, it's more melodic, maybe more uh, organized, I would say, at some point. Less awkward, but it still sounds really heavy. And, uh, and, uh, but the seven string is fun for us. Give a space type of music. At some point, it's fun to have all those uh, registers. You guys went on a bit of a hiatus, uh, I think in about 2002. Um, it's been a little bit of time since your last record. So my questions here are, what was the reason for the pause and also why now are you guys releasing a new album what's important about it well, the kids are in school <laughs> <laughs> but the pause the pause i think it went to a point 
we always uh, give us a lot on each album. We, we take it seriously. Everybody in the band, they, even if it's not a big band, we just take it really seriously. Me as a re recording, doing song with Martin, everybody, Alain, everybody's taking care of uh, the music. And we put a lot of effort doing shows and stuff like that. And when, after Carnival Mother Mouth, we just felt that we always try to, to go like worldwide a little bit more. It was art because of the style we had at some point. We're not as heavy as really underground band and we're not as popular as some other bands. We're in the middle of a lot of stuff. Mm. So I think it was just, uh, we don't want to continue without the fashion of doing something special. And we felt after Carnivore Matter Mouth that we had a good release on the album. Worldwide, it was harder because this, I don't know. And we're at the point that I think we felt that we don't have the energy anymore to push as hard. So I think we, we, you better take a pause at this point and now, but I think it came back to me like four years ago, five years ago. Eight years. I got a new eight song. Years and eight, eight years. Eight years. Even worse. <laughs> but for me, for me, it was uh, maybe finished for, uh, you know, because mm. me, I'm still in music. I don't have kids. My life is a little different, but Martin, Bruno, I have family, I have kids. They got to take care of a lot of stuff in their life. So I wouldn't be the guy say, hey, let's go guys. Let's do music again. And, uh, but when Martin came back, with Martin writes a lot of music and good song. And uh, when he came back with all this, he bought a Pro Tools, he equipped himself for house stuff, you know, the doing stuff in his house and mm -hmm. send, send me a song every two days. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I think he's serious. So no, I think it, the, passion, the passion came back. And we, like Martin said, we have time to do this. And we're, I think we got the drive to do, to do a new album. You need to invest mm -hmm. yourself in an album, just not recording it. I want to make something special and... I feel it right now, so let's oh, do it. It wasn't really a pause when we stopped. It was like the end for us. It was yeah. the end. We didn't, you know, think yeah, about right. doing anything. And because we put so so much effort, and uh, we got little response. Sometimes being at the right place at the right moment—it's a saying, but it's true for all sorts of things in life. And you know, we weren't at the right place at the right moment. Too bad. Well, with all the effort we could, it's a lot of effort because we, you know. It's very time-consuming uh, doing an album, producing yourself and all that, and all the money you have to invest in the shows to pay everything, the practices, and then to come to a realization that, okay, nobody nobody wants to... Locally, we're, we did oh, really good always. It was okay. Right? Wanna, you, know, wanna, you know, do some tours with some you know, some other metal bands, like do the States, go in Europe, and nothing was opening up. So we said, okay, well, that's it. Let's just, let's just do something else. <laughs> so we did kill. like you said nothing yeah it was it was like we did a last show yeah. so for us it was done but i think the music the, the, the way music is sharing today it's different yeah. you can without doing a two-month tour you can share your music be appreciated by people who love, love that easily you know i still do interview with in finland and stuff like that 20 years after the last album but all music for me is a community it's not you're not people don't love just your band it's it's the way to live. It's a way to you know, so you're always welcome, and you bring something back to the metal scene. Mm -hmm. And you guys mentioned before the recording that uh, you had about forty songs total ready to go. How do you guys go about choosing which ones that you guys are going to put on your album? Well, you should have been there like three weeks ago. You want to know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just uh, you know I we do a pre-selection. Pierre pre-selected some some of his stuff. I pre-selected some of my stuff. And then I sent it over to. It's, that's the cool thing about today. You can do do things virtually, you know. Mm -hmm. So I sent them my my uh, my selections. He sent 
sent me his and then we got together uh, with the rest of the band and we did a little listening sessions of the 15 best songs we thought would be good for the next studio session because it's not that there's going to be 15 but of those 15 which one will we keep out of the 50 we already had it's like 40 or 50 so we just you know we listened to them a lot in the past months and then you know you know when you hear them you, you know which one will stand out you know and that's you just by listening it's and it's us just let it go what you feel yeah, like so we didn't do like a send it to uh, our friends or stuff like that it's just our personal faves uh, that we chose and then we uh, me bruno and uh, alain and pierre uh, we sat down and we uh, selected the had a little listening party and uh, and at the same time jeff since we didn't do an album for the last 20 years I think we need to write some stuff that we're going to throw in the garbage anyway. We need to put it out. Mm. If I go back to the first stuff I write, like eight years ago or six years ago, sometimes I listen to this and I'm like, okay, I just delete everything. But it needs to be done. You need to go back and uh, you know, it's like running. You start running and then you feel it's there. You need to, 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 to get back in the groove. I yeah, think uh, there's some songs that need to be done, but... Since we didn't do those albums in the be in between, we need to trash some stuff and just. We, I think we improve a lot in the writing. I remember first Martin uh, sent me some song. Yeah, that's a good riff. That's good. But at some point we okay that that that's another level. We we feel that we came back to some things more act to, of today's. Yeah, of but all, I feel this way. Of all the songs we kept, like maybe two or three are really old. The rest of them is mostly recent stuff or a bit little parts of the old stuff that we took and did a new song, you know, and so, so it's, so it's pretty recent because the more you play, the more you, the more you learn, the more everything is, gets better. You know? so. Even for the sound. I remember the first day I got what? back to my guitar and put a distortion and go like, gig, 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 gig. okay, <laughs> where I start from, you know, but every day is a you know, new sound and uh, so it's, yeah, you need to go back in the groove. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like writing a book, like your first draft is always going to be everything that you think all of your ideas are written down. And then each iteration after that, you're just going to whittle it away yeah. until it's a concise package that people want to consume. Not just people, and, but you know, well. we had a, and not having pressure from like, say, a record company all the time in the world to do it is this what we're doing. So, and we talk about this, me and Pierre, it's uh, no pressure, you know, and, yeah. this, and it, you'll see the, we'll see, we're seeing the results of that because we're taking our time to do the songs. Now we're taking our time to do the, the lyrics and we're taking our time to do the vocals. And we come back, if we, you know, back in the days, it's always like, go, 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 okay, the vocals, okay, record, that's it. You know, it's, it's the heat of the moment. Maybe it was the heat of the moment, uh, but now you can you know, have more liberty to choose and pick, you know, and modify and adjust and make it. Uh, yeah, we want to put out a good record. Yeah, you know? a, There's no rush. And I think records make, or you listen to it times, bring something special. So if you feel it before you put it out, there's so much music today. There's no rush to put something out that you're half happy with it. Like Martin, like Martin said, earlier days, sometimes we provoke stuff. It's okay, we go in studio next month. We still have missing six uh, lyrics, so let's do it. We'll see in studio, we finish the solo in studio, and because we want to do show, then uh, we got a little record label, and you need to have a schedule at some point. But now I think it's, even today, if you put out a good record, you don't know, maybe in six years, you're going to be approached for something special, but let's put good music out, good recording, 
Now, if you're proud of what you're doing afterward, you can say anything. I don't like it. It's bad. No problem. And you don't like blue. I like blue. That's it. That's just a, an opinion. But I want to be proud. And since we've always been on a rush, even the drummer said to me, uh, I want to do something special for me. You know, We're doing for ourselves for now. And we're really proud of it. And you know, when you listen to songs and you listen to listen to them over and over again, and you discover new stuff, you know that you yeah. didn't hear. I like that in music. You know, Iron Maiden, a Rush, mm -hmm. and bands, technical, musical. I like that. I like that in music, and I think we have a bit of that. You know, we have special things in the song, special moody atmospheres, and that you can discover. And you know, so, so, so that we we have we had more time for that this time around. And you guys don't want to be putting out anything that you don't feel is your best work. Like, you want to make sure that you're putting out things that you, you feel good about. So some of those tracks are automatically going to be throwaways and things that you don't look back on the same way. Yeah. 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 Well, I have throwaways that I'm saying to myself, hmm, <laughs> maybe shouldn't have thrown away, but you just will keep it for the next one and then just pick out the, the, the stuff that really hooked you. And uh, yeah, it, it makes you makes you realize that you know, you need to, we're more choosy maybe uh, from now, but we have the liberty with all these songs to do that. And it's, it's kind of, it's difficult because some, some songs are maybe always, but they're still good, you know, but other songs have that little something more than that one. But yeah, you want to put a book that goes together. In boy, it's a, sometimes you get a lyric that's nice, but by itself, and you try to put it in the, the, the lyrics are, it just doesn't fit, you know? So I believe in that. I, me, I, I'm a big Rick Rubin fan, uh, the producer, and he's a guy who doesn't work on a song, just said, oh, we're going to change the ending to put it better. When the song is good, he works on it. That's it. He waits for a good basic song. And I think most of the band doing this, you select what sounded good. Actually, you don't want to obligate yourself to say, we got eight songs. Those two are weird, but let's put a effect in the intro and try to make it happen. I think if it, if it's not happening while you're listening to it like that, any style, mm -hmm. if it doesn't give you a vibe or some things, you can add anything on top of it. Yeah, or anything. I don't think you're going to save that song. And that's what I like about what we're doing right now is I listen to the Martin song sometimes and I just go like, yeah, this one, yeah, every time it come back, it started and give me a good feel. I, I feel it as a second song on a record and I, I just imagine myself go like, oh, if you like that type of music, that song could be good. And I, I like to think it about not just doing heavy stuff to be heavy or just com complicated stuff just to be complicated. Just waiting for the, and then we're that sounding good. And, you know, when you we're doing songs for us mostly because we, have, we don't want to prove anything or anything, you know, so, you know, we think they're good. Whatever people think, if Pierre's a good producer, you know, we... You think we play guitar good a little bit? Drummers are the drummers a good drummer, so a singer's a good singer. So, so something good must come out of it, I guess, and that's what it's gonna. Anyway, we try to find people like us that if you love the song you do, if you find someone in the your vibe, you're probably gonna like mm -hmm. like it at least. Uh, but yeah, like Martin said, no pressure, and we we try to be happy with what we're doing. Anyway, doing an album for a band when you record when you you compose the album. You practice the album, you rehearse the album pre-prod and then prod. That's the, the time we, we're, we're really happy about the new stuff. Yeah. When it's out and we go live, then it's for the fans. Yeah. Right now we're in, doing Nintendo and Mario and we're in the middle of the, the game. When you get to the, 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 the girl at the end, it's finished. So 
while you're doing it, you need to have fun and you need to, to make sure you enjoy what you listen and what you record. And at the end, fans going to decide if, if they like it or not. Because like <laughs> we know we're going to do some shows, but we're not, I don't think we all, we all have like obligations and stuff like that. So I don't think we're going to, you know, do a tour or, you know, play the, you know, but we're going to do some shows, but like the fun is now. So it's, it's, it's now yeah. the fun. So, so like a, the show is like a, outgoing with some friends going fishing and it's, it's you know it's always fun but it's time consuming so, so. and we know we need to be honest with uh, yeah. anything i don't think we're going to be called for a tour of two months right now but we can make special shows we can entertain the band at a certain level but if the music on the record is good then that could be shared for a long time everybody can listen to it at their own easily and uh, we're going to play different. montreal calgary that's it <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Okay. We were going to put you on the guest list, so oh, no that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Is there a scene in Calgary? Is there a couple of places to play? Yeah, yeah. There's a few different places to play, but one of my favorites is Dickens Pub because it's a small underground, yeah. like literally underground pub. Um, you can house a couple hundred people in there, so it's, they're all smaller shows, but cool. uh, you get that intimate atmosphere. You can go chat with the band members after okay. their set or before. Um, their little merch booths are kind of in the back, so it gives you some room. They, uh, It's like any other pub. They serve a drink and food, but it's just the atmosphere is always so cool, and it seems like no matter what cool show, place, it's yeah. always sold out. Um, but then you also have cool. like the bigger okay. arenas and stuff like that. Uh, I think most of yeah. our venues died during COVID, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was our time. Yeah. yeah, some of ours also died. Well, yeah, a lot of bars and stuff like that. It was average, uh, you know, time for them. Mm -hmm. We'll see in the coming year that others pop up. You know, so I'm sure, it's gonna take a year or two. But I like to do shows. I still like to do. Yeah. But uh, more, it's a little more stressful. You're less in control than sitting in your studio. Like mm -hmm. you need to, and it's a, uh, you need to be in shape as a band, fierce mm -hmm. and. Like I said, we want to put out something interesting, not just go and be uh, average. So we know the effort we need to put on to do good shows. So. But we always have extra duper mega fun when we're doing shows. Like they said, yeah. we're a bunch of buddies and it's always fun. Yeah. And we like to we all the other bands also because we know a lot of bands and we play always with some other bands and it's always a big, uh, big community, uh, you know, gathering. Christmas time. No, it's, it's a, definitely important having bands like enjoy themselves on stage because you can tell and, and if if the band members aren't communicating properly like say if there's tension between them or if they're not enjoying themselves you can generally tell when they're playing you're just it's not yeah. it's not the same feeling yeah that's what happened in my first show in life huh? i wasn't enjoying myself but after that it was okay <laughs> no but uh, i agree with you jeff sometimes i see some band live and you said maybe you should tour less because i feel the you need to take a break don't don't need to push it too hard but some band that you feel the, the energy they have all together and they feel that they're all pushing together in the same same sense. So, yeah. mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels like it's it's uh, more just work. Like if they take that attitude when they're jumping on stage and like, this is my job, I yeah. have to be here. It's less enjoyable to everybody than if they're having a blast. On top of that, it's not a real job. You know, you're playing music. If you have a hard, a hard feeling playing music, you need to stop you know, at some mm -hmm. point. Uh, there's a lot of metal band for me that push too hard on some tour. No, they, they they put out an album and made like two hundred shows and uh, like a average uh, condition and at some point it's hard on the the people you know all together so when you push too hard at some point 
gonna have a big step, but it's gonna go down really fast afterwards because nobody wanna do it anymore. So yeah, I mean, it depends on all the bands uh, feeling together, but even big band, you feel when the, they're doing for the right reason, you know, they don't tour in a separate plane. And uh, <laughs> at some point, yeah. I don't know you, why. With how many tracks you guys have, um, have you considered putting together like a B-side tape or a B-side album? So after your newest release? By B-side, what do you mean? Kind of like an extended you, version. You like extra song? Where, yeah, so so you choose like say your 15 best songs right now, but say only 10 make it to the album. Would you guys consider maybe putting out a, a deluxe version or like an extended version where those other songs are included? Or another album after this or one? another album. The next one. <laughs> yeah, I think we're more into this. Yeah, we, would, we, did, we did have a talk on that because we had a lot of songs and I called Pierre, man, we have so many songs. We could do like, a, we could put out the album and then put out a song in your mind. But yeah. then it involves recording all of these songs at the same time. Right? So yeah, we did have a discussion on that, but I think we want to keep it, uh, you know, 15 songs. Now, maybe 12, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. But we'll have it. We're, we're going to record them all anyways. So It could be EP afterwards, but I think we're going to present to them not as a B-side, but more as a song that, you know, that it's not a overstock that maybe the selection we did on that furry song, I think we still have maybe another EP or a six, seven song that could be out really fast. And I could present it to them and, uh, as an album, not as a, oh, no. extra stuff, you know. No, I think uh, if everything goes well, we'll probably do something else afterwards because with the flow, you know, we're going with the flow and the flow is going good like it is. And uh, we have inspiration, and we still have uh, ideas. So yeah, if everything goes well, we'll do another one. But we'll wait, you know, to see. The way we're going to present it, I don't know yet. But yeah, yeah maybe I don't know Christmas album. Christmas <laughs> album. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> yeah. For uh, for um, like you started Martin with a Christmas song. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> when I started playing guitar with, my, with Francis, it was a Christmas song. It was called Noel, Noel, you know, Noel in Christmas in French. Noel yeah. without Satan. Noel without Satan. Noel is like a, you know. First, not the devil. A bad, uh, <laughs> bad dude. And you know, Master, like the guy, the other, Master was our singer, the guy who did the, like our promotion. He sang, he sang that bad. Yeah, the Vargar leader. Yeah. Stefan. Uh, Vargar, is that how I pronounce it? Var Vargar? Barger? I don't know how to say it, Martin. Barger. Barger? Yeah, Barger. Barger. I don't know in English. I think it's Barger. Barger? Uh, in French, it's Barger. But uh, I never had to say it in English. Barger. I think it's the movie. Okay. Barger. 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 It sounds like uh, Homer Simpson would say something. Barger. Sounds like I'm just saying Barger. it wrong. Barger. It's like, no, you're missing something. It's things, a vul vulgar, but some other way. Barger. Barger. That guy, we'll say it like that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's is like it a, a French word? I have no idea. No, no. I don't know. Right now, <laughs> let's figure this out. You know, something I I just thought about when we were chatting uh, a few moments ago is like I haven't seen any double albums recently. Like they they always used to come in two packs, not always, but like there are some double albums. Like the last one I can think of was maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers Stadium Arcadium. And it came with two complete yeah. sides to it. And is that still a thing? Do people still do that? Well, it's, the double album was fun because it was like LPs and you would open them up. It was like a big yeah. book. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's what's fun. But, but double album is a long time ago. Yeah, never... uh, cheap Trick, uh, Kiss Alive. Uh... Double Platinum was the best of of Kiss. Yeah, c'est ça. But Red Hot Chili Pepper writes like, uh, I think, a hundred songs for each album. So that's why when they get to Arcadium Stadium, it was the same type of process. And mm-hmm. then they came to a point that they have eight, 19 songs that make the cut. So I don't know. Mm. But it, I'm a fan of Red Hot. I'm not a fan of a really funk band that much. But this band, I'm always surprised how they put out some. I don't know. Maybe songs. we're going to put 15 songs and call it a double album. But nowadays, it's just like more songs on an album. Yeah, it's 12 songs, really. Yeah. We could do that. Double but album. to put it on a, put out in a double album with people that like to go fast together, oh, nice. so, I think the song 13, 14, 15 is going to be like, uh, people want to go fast today. It need to be like, concis en français. I don't know how to say it in English. You need to be like, uh, tight. compact. Compact. Tight, yeah. I don't know if uh, for a band like us would be uh, a good thing. <laughs> Maybe a big, big band who has a big yeah. catalog. Yeah. Live side with yeah, songs and stuff like that. But no, it's been a long time. I never saw a double uh, double album. I think that went to the wayside because of things like streaming and the amount of bands that are on, like say Spotify, for example. It it spreads out your releases, so it kind of buries you in the algorithm or in the, in searches. Whereas if you're consistently coming out with smaller pieces of music, then you're constantly kind of at the top. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. yeah, yeah, I realized that because I saw I saw that with the uh, In Flames. They mm-hmm. before their last album, they put out you know they had the same cover and it, mm-hmm. it was always a single, like maybe three or four singles, and then the album came out. But it was the same song as on their album. Yeah, I think it's better to put out some more stuff than one big thing each six years. Like you need to be constantly on the web uh, for bands who want to be uh, really upfront and really well known right now. I think that's what we had the idea to do. Maybe put out the album and keep a couple of songs just in between albums to just come out, like uh, make a special edition or something like that. If the songs we don't choose are up to our standards, but we won't just put out songs just you know, because we have songs, we need to like them a lot. Yeah, this is a, like, like Pierre said. This is a completely random question, but um, I'm not very familiar with vinyl. The way that works, is that a certain amount of time that can be on a, 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 a vinyl LP? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not done yeah. by a number of tracks or anything, it's the amount of time. How much time is like normally on a vinyl or can there be on a vinyl? When you go back to vinyl time, it was, I think it's, there's like 25 minutes is the maximum of stuff like that for okay. having a good sound. Metallica, the... And Justice for All, they did like two vinyl to get a better definition. They put less song on each side. Mm. So the vinyl was more separation in the... Yeah. You put like a lot of song. There's a, there's, a, there's a maximum. I don't know when, what is the maximum. But I think uh, I'm sure about the fact that if there's too much song, there's crosstalk between. It's not as clean as a CD vinyl. Mm. So like uh, the, the Jack White, the guy from um, White Stripe, that's what he did lately. He put a vinyl with very few songs on each vinyl and put, I think, a double album, but that's for sound quality. But I think it's 25 hmm. minutes per side. If I would go back to Maiden and stuff like that in vinyl, it's like 22, 40. And you need to be kind of equal on each side. Sometimes I remember bands swapping song because this one was longer and fit better on the mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Make it happen like 22 minutes on each side. Kind of like, but um, yeah, there's a 
specific stuff to do for for vinyls. So you can pack more songs in, but it it like um, decreases the distance between the ridges, and then you have to look at like say finer needle points and stuff like that. Exactly, and that all, and that yeah, all affects the sound quality. Yeah, yeah. You just taught me something. Yeah, big band like Metallica go like really far on this, and like and just so all I remember they were uh, that that was the, the the why they do this for okay. the sound. Interesting. Lots of low end. So vinyl don't like low end. If you go back to those years, it's the music today is the register is bigger, more bass and more high. You're getting more i fi, more definition. When you go back to vinyl, big bass like uh, Rammstein and band like that, or Metallica, the big low end they had it in the nineties. Uh, vinyl can stand, you know, it's it's different to to handle the bass. So uh, they, they need to 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 give headroom on the, the the vinyl track. I would mm. say. Interesting. So, are the vinyls getting thicker now? Like, in order to incorporate all those Sorry? sounds? Are the vinyls getting thicker now? They're, they're different quality in vinyl. Mm. If you uh, buy a cheap vinyl, sometimes you receive it and it's curly, you know? Mm. But there's some on uh, the, 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 the weight of each vinyl, they're different level of weight. And uh, there's some that's really perfect, and there's some cheap up here vinyl. So, that's why today, band put out stuff on vinyl, but there's some quality, there's a different level of uh, vinyl quality. If you order like uh, an old album from uh, my my friend is a big vinyl collector and he buys back an old album he used to have and he showed me the difference. You see the, the thickness between the two vinyl, the original and the remake of today's. It's a really really cheap copy of uh, the early days. They don't want to put as much energy in vinyl. It's just more a piece of collection and a big cover. But sometimes the way it's done, it's not the the, the real way to do it or as quality as it used to be. Less plastic is cheaper and it's more curly, you know. Yeah. So. Well, they're trying to maximize profits too on the on the business side of things. Uh, for somebody who is in sound and mastering, is it is it different to master something specifically for vinyl versus like another medium? Yeah, it's different. A vinyl, you need they, they call this uh, uh, uh mastering, progressive uh, progressive mastering, because the the needle goes more in the middle, more and more and more. The song change the sound. So you need to adjust the vinyl, which is progressive. So it's a, it's another, a lot of people do vinyl today, like you make a photocopy, you just put it on vinyl and that's the way it is. But you should do a different mastering for vinyl than you do for a CD. Hmm. It's not the same level. It's not the same. CD is the same frequency from the top to bottom, but vinyl evolu evaluates in physical or more for the center. So the sound needs to progress. They call it in French. It's called the ma uh, progressive mastering, which is progressive. I don't know. I never, I never mastered a song for album. I did some album that went on, on vinyl, but I, I don't think we did the right thing to put it on vinyl. Back to your guys' new music. Do you guys have a release schedule? No, we talked about that tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but now, honestly, everything's together. Where we choose the song, we have some lyric, lyrics, such subject. Uh, we everybody's writing lyrics, lyrics, and we. I think we have everything we need to put the puzzle it's all there we need to put it together so it depends on schedule and the life of everybody but no we would have liked this fall but it's not going to happen this fall so it yeah. be after christmas or spring you know because it's time consuming we're almost there we're almost yeah. there but we, we see all the, the puzzle you know it's not like a, we want to do an album the album it's there we need to produce it now we're at the point we need to rehearse it as a band 
just to see how it reacts when we have a real drummer, that drums machine and stuff like that. Need to put some lyrics and works on the vocals. But like I said, I think we see the picture of it. We're not thinking of doing an album, it's there. And we, do, we need to put it in the regular uh, schedule, schedule of our life. Uh, I own the studio, so my studio is pretty much booked. I want to book my band, but at some point, I need to be sure we're ready to. So I think we, between seven months and a year, it's going to be close. <laughs> Have you guys chosen the title or artwork? Mm, we know the artwork guy, but we don't know the title yet. As, as, you, as Pierre said, we're doing lyrics. So until we're done with that, and uh, the total, uh, the, when, when we see the ensemble of the lyrics and the vibe, uh, still be the uh, an oblivion vibe lyrics uh, wise. But until we see that, I know that we're going to have the title yet. For the graphics, we'd like to go with uh, Sylvain, who did the Nemesis cover. So I asked him about it, said sure, but we'll see what he's up to uh, in a couple of months. But until we have. Yeah, the lyrics. You know, uh, until the lyrics are going to help us to find a title, maybe on some lyrics or. It's going to be something cool, I'm sure. Jerry Roo's record. <laughs> Spoken only in English. So about a year then, that's not so bad. That'll come quickly. Yeah, time flies by. Time flies. So. Yeah. But I said, like I said, the, the pieces are there, are there. I'm sure we're going to be in some point of recording in that time frame. If it can be faster, it will. But like I said, at this point, there's no there's no way to rush. There's no uh, point to rush. Now we don't. I don't want to take three years, but let's make it happen. Let's there's something we want to do. There's something we want to do that we didn't really do with the in our past is work on the, uh, the lyrics. You know, because uh, it was always the last thing we did, and it was always rushed in studio. And now we really want to take the time to, you know, see make the lyrics fit and maybe arrange the song a little bit more around the lyrics, you know, because it was a bit, you know, that's why made our music a bit uh, in the third and fourth album, a bit more mechanical. It was like, it was, we thought it was rushed in the end. So not musically speaking, but maybe, you know, in the finality of the, the songs, now we have more time, more, you know, leisure to do it. And so we're going to do it. You know, not because want to give more space to vocals too. Yes, it's like, or, exactly. or, you know, like music will always go really far in music, but sometimes we put lyrics and okay, that's good, it's heavy vocals, and that's it. We, we don't want to try different type of vocal, but we want to give a chance to different ideas with vocals, you know, yeah. take the time to try out some stuff that we don't like. We want to just not accept it like this, but try to improve. Even I think vocals, it's a big part of a intensity of a song, metal, or anything, anything you do. Vocals is like, if it's not good, it's just same out everything. So, so we want to, be... you know, we want to take the time to do it like some other people do. So we have the time. More time on vocals. Let's, yeah. let's just do it. I think uh, we're gonna like it more, and people, we're gonna see the difference, and maybe other people won't really see it, but I'm sure in, in the end result, it'll just be better. You know, like the song, we have a reflection on each song to choose them. But sometimes for vocals, we do it in studio, then we mix the week after. So. That's the way it is. I think we should record a vocal, listen to it, take the time to even like it or don't like it. You can change still, but take the time to have a reflection on the, what we did on vocals before recording for the final stuff. And we have the means to do it now, so let's let's do it. 
one of my last questions is if people are looking for your guys' music, where's the best place for them to find it for you? Oh, well, uh, online, or there's Apple Music, it's... Uh... Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Yeah, everything's online. You can buy all the album online right now, uh, playback on Spotify and all, all the platform. I think, uh, you know, we, we've, we went with a guy who take care of it, and he told me that he was uh, on all the platform, but you know what? We did that like uh, two months ago. Mm-hmm. We were really out of the the, 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 the the loop internet world. We just put out the album right now, so this is for a for a futuristic type of music band. We're not in the future on the internet. We just got in, so. <laughs> <laughs> but then we're mostly on the internet, and we're gonna put out a website as long as we having the new record out. But for now, everything on the web is there. Available on my music. Some place you can find some old albums on Amazon. Some people sell them. I don't know who they are, but where they got. But Amazon sells a digital copy right now. Yeah. 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 And we have the Facebook that we got a guy who just put some news here and there for the band. So people who want to get an yeah. update with the band, Facebook is still a good place to go. Yeah. If you go on Facebook and you like our page, you'll probably know when the album is out and all the all the news for the vinyl and all that. So it's uh, facebook.com. Oblivion with <laughs> My last question for you guys is, uh, I know we've chatted at length about some of you, your inspirational bands. Um, who are some of your favorite bands? Me? I like a lot In Flames. I've been listening to this. I work and I listen to that all the time these days. Uh, I liked a lot uh, Fear Factory, Rush. Still listen to some old Rush. And uh, Iron Maiden and, you know, some, some new bands. It's a couple new bands. Some new new metal bands. But uh, there's a lot of new metal band, and sometimes it's a bit uh, you get lost in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so, yeah. And me, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Spotify random, and mm-hmm. I I fell on some stuff. But what I remarked today, the way I am with my, the way I, I used to listen to record and recognize the band and know the name of the band. Right now, I listen to. Sometimes I pick up some bands, and go further a little bit on them. But it's there's so much stuff that going really fast. The two days after that. Don't even remember the band you were listening to, so it's it's really fast. But I'm still into uh, Stephen Wilson, Parker, Parker Pine Tree, uh, older metal band that I like. I like. I still love them today. There's a lot of younger band, a Beyond Creation from Montreal, are a great band. It's, it's really heavy but still melodic. Mm-hmm. There's a really a uh, lot of a uh, good band. But I'm still into Voivod. Uh, I'm taking care of listening to what they do uh, new and stuff like that. But uh, I'm more. Uh, like a radio listener, I just let roll metal stuff sometime and I felt on some good stuff, but I don't dig that much into one band. I'm more mm-hmm. into the sound where the bands are right now. Sometimes I really go crazy on stuff that I wouldn't listen that much and find it's, and that's really heavy. And I like to know about them, but I don't dig that much like I used to when I was a younger kid, mm-hmm. like knowing all the, the album from that kind of band and go, you know, all the name of the, the, or now it's like chewing gum you know, every day. Yeah, I hear some new stuff that's inspiring me, but I realize that I don't dig anymore into one one band, you know? Yeah, me, I listen to Amazon Music, a uh, metal playlist, and then I, when I hear something cool, I just investigate, add them to my playlist, and then at some point I listen to the album. Uh, last time I listened to The Last Sepultura, I, I didn't think it was that. It was pretty good. I liked it. I think it was, it surprised me. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I used to like a lot Sepultura. Then I... I don't know I drifted somewhere else, my musical states, but then when I listened to the last album, I gave it a listen and it was a good, complete album to listen to. I liked it. Um, that was Quadro. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah Quadro so. was awesome. 
I really enjoyed that compared to yeah. I think their last two albums before that. But yeah, they hit hard on that. Yeah, that one. That one was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> so, I like. Uh, I hope people will do that with our last album. We'll, we'll see. Oh, okay. Well, now it's on the internet, so people can find it too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pierre and Martin, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. Like I said in the introduction, this is my year-end wrap-up episode. So I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. And I really hope to chat with you again in the future. For sure. For sure. It was our pleasure. Thank you you very much, Jeff. That really helped us out spreading the word. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.